welcome to episode 148 of the Two Guys, a Glove, and a Coke Bottle podcast. He's guy number one, Thomas. He's guy number two, Danny. And we're Giants fans. And uh, today wasn't the best baseball day. It wasn't the best football day for Niners fans either. But, um, you know, sometimes sometimes wins are ugly. Sometimes losses are ugly. What? what uh, how sometimes you doing, Thomas? We're, sometimes we're both ugly. That's yeah, why that this, happens. Is an audio, this is an audio feed. Yeah, Thomas and I both have faces for radio, as they say. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what the Giants have been doing recently. This has been just a, a kind of a bonkers month for the NL West overall. Um, you've had the Giants and the Dodgers both going gangbusters and um, almost not losing any games so far in uh, in September. The Giants notably hit a hit a skid, um, a four game losing streak, and lost some ground, but. Have you ever seen two teams like this that are just slugging it out for for one spot? I mean, not since 1993 when I was but a wee lad and the Braves. I don't remember 1993 very well. And I wasn't tracking that game by game. You know, I was disappointed by the end of the season when the Giants weren't in the playoffs. But as a six-year-old boy, I wasn't in control of the TV. Um, So, no, I've never experienced anything like this as a fan. Uh, It's just so disappointing that the Giants can have such a great season and there's still a chance it all ends with one crazy game. They're going to finish with the first or second best record in baseball. That's not certain, but it's all but certain at this point. Uh, And one of those teams is going to, is going to have a chance to get knocked off in a single game. And that's a little disappointing for me. So while I absolutely, of course, agree with you um, and and just to put some numbers behind that, the Giants um, in the month of September, have gone 13 and five and the Dodgers in the month of September have gone 13 and five. Um, <laughs> so both teams are just historic rates. Uh, that's a, um, that's over 700 win percentage. Um, and you just have teams playing like this and not, you know, the giants haven't built their lead bigger The Dodgers haven't been able to catch. I mean, in August, the Dodgers went 21 and six, and guess how many gains games they gained on the Giants? Two and a half, because the Giants went nineteen and nine. So it's just been absurd. Um, and then finally today, the Giants lost. The Dodgers won, um, undoing the day before uh, Saturday when the Giants won and the Dodgers lost. And so here we sit, up one game through a hundred and fifty games. I can't believe there's already been a hundred and fifty. Giants baseball games, but here we are 97 and 53, the Dodgers 96 and 54 and the Padres. Well, we don't need to talk talk about the Padres Padres. anymore. Let's put it that way. We'll, uh, we'll get Manny Machado on the podcast and he can tell us what he thinks about uh, the Padres. We'll have to check on his fee. We'll get to that. uh, Oh God. I guess. So, um, Uh, so one, one game lead. And so just to go back to what you were saying, I, I completely of course agree that, it would suck for a historically good team or a hundred game winner, 105 game winner, maybe even to have to play a one game wild card and get kicked out of the playoffs. But, but like, what's the alternative? I mean, we can't just redesign the playoff system based on how many good teams there are and where they are. Right. Like this is, this is not why the wild card system is bad. This is just, sometimes it's going to happen this way. And the two wild card system is overwhelmingly good. I mean, the, N- the NBA, what, what do you think moving, about that? The NBA is moving toward conference basketball where teams are ranked 
I mean, it's pretty much how it goes now. The only tiebreaker being if you happen to win your division that barely exists in the NBA, you get seeding preference over teams that might have a better record than you. So the NBA is sort of moving towards this more global ranking of the teams qualifying for the playoffs where the teams with the literal best records qualify in the seeds where those records would be slotted if they were stacked up. Major League Baseball could move towards something like that as well. Just to clarify, the the seeding in the NBA is the four division winners plus the four wild cards. Is that right? Um, I believe there's only three divisions in each. Uh, so three divisions NBA and five wild cards. They don't cons- they don't call them wild cards or at large bids or anything because the eight teams with the you know most wins traditionally before the play in tournament started. See, now we're already getting confused about the NBA playoffs. Right. So maybe I'm not reducing it enough. Uh, not boiling it down enough to what it's supposed to be. Um, all I'm saying is in the NBA, more traditionally, the teams with the better records have the higher seeds. When you and look at the just, NFL and Major League Baseball, it's not always the case. And the divisions are just much less of a thing. Nobody even knows what, I don't even know what the names of them are. I believe there's a, <laughs> a Pacific division and that's the one that on the, the West Coast. Yeah, yeah the that would Warriors make sense. And the Kings and maybe the Clippers and the Lakers. I don't know. I have no idea what the other divisions are in basketball and that's okay. Right. I mean, and that's like basketball's basketball's obviously different, but it's kind of a good example of being in between baseball and football, right? Baseball, you have a ton of games. The playoffs are significantly shorter than the regular season. Um, and you play hard for the whole season and it's a war of attrition. And your reward is you, you know, play in a very, very short playoff stint. The, basketball playoffs i mean so what it's 82 games and then how long how long could the playoffs be i mean a team could play 28 games in the playoffs right uh absolutely uh 7 14 yeah 28 games so it, uh, it never happens that way no one plays four seven game series that would be a bloodletting but um it can happen and the playoffs can take up to a month and a half two months six seven weeks so it's a whole different kind of atmosphere and different sport but what could have happened in the 1990s is major league baseball could have kept uh you know the division split into two and then just taken all the highest qualifying teams uh but they decided to make it more regional to reduce the amount of travel teams would have to do uh and then as they've added wild cards it's gotten a little more complicated yeah i mean i do think that in the course of a long 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 season if all the teams are basically just playing for at large, the top records in their league or in their conference or in the whole majors, it would be a lot more difficult to kind of keep the drama up, you know? And that's one thing that's been nice about divisions is that we have rivals. We have the Dodgers, we have the Padres and the T-backs and that team in Colorado, nobody's talked about in a while. Um, And we get to fight against them and rank ourselves against them uh, and put most of our energy into that. Whereas if it was like, all right, let's, where are we compared to the 15 other national league team there 14 out of the national league teams, that would be much less. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that would, you could still preserve just the be a long games season. That, you could still preserve the amount of games that you play against those teams, but you can still have the ranking of everybody in, I guess that would make it a little unbalanced. But that wouldn't be fair know. because yeah, if you're in, if you happen to be, playing 19 games against a garbage division and a garbage bunch of regional rivals. Um, but we're fighting for the same playoff spots. 
more directly than the wild card is right now, then that wouldn't be fair. And yeah, you would have to go not. to what you were saying about, you know, cutting down on air travel, uh, those poor um, Mariners. Yeah. And going back to the NBA, being in the Eastern conference has been such an advantage if you're a superstar player, like <clears throat> LeBron James, uh, who is an excellent player and one of the best of all time, but played against significantly less stiff competition in the Eastern conference for the bulk of his career. That right. doesn't really happen in baseball because there's so much parity and rosters are larger. And the talent's distributed a little bit better. So it is a little bit apples and oranges, but all I'm saying is I'm ready to be disappointed by losing uh, two to nothing uh, yeah. in the wild card game. And, 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 and just for the, just to go back to this, the two wild card system is infinitely better than the one wild card system, because when there was one wild card, it didn't matter who won the division. And I love that fighting for the division is actually something that's important. If this were the one wild card system, then the Giants and the Dodgers would have taken their foot off the gas a month ago and said, well, the Padres aren't catching us. One of us is going to win the first wild card. One of us is going to win the division. It doesn't really matter. But why can't it be a three-game series? Oh, no, it absolutely should be. I don't think there should be anything decided by one game in baseball. Except tiebreakers. If there's a tiebreaker, you know. Isn't that what this is, though? I mean, it's not a tie, wild... though. It's not a tie. Yeah. The only yeah. reason you play a one-game playoff is because there's no other way. You're absolutely tied. You're you're out of options. But there's not going to be a tie. They're going to have the Dodgers, the Giants are going to have the second best record in baseball, and they're going to be playing for their lives in one game. Yeah. Luckily, the Dodgers have taken all of the starting pitching talent that anybody would be afraid of. So. Uh, it's not like they're going to end up in a game against Jacob deGrom or uh, Max Scherzer because, well, they have Max Scherzer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of starting pitching talent, uh, Dominic Leone is new starter on the team. Uh, <laughs> my God. So uh, anyway, enough about the, the playoff system. Let's talk about what the Giants have been doing. Giants did take two out of three from the Braves. Um, and and as I said on the broadcast, you know, it's always disappointing to go to win the first two and drop the third, but it was a good series there. The Braves are a good team and we emerged from it one game up, which is, was the same that we entered into it. So um, I think we need to be pretty happy with how that turned out. Um, attrition is good right now. When, when you're one game ahead, attrition is great. Salt away the rest of the season, maintain the lead. So you feel pretty good about it. Right. And, uh, and Baggerly had a really good point, which was, you know, yeah, the Giants entered a tough series, one game up and exited one game up, which was good. And getting three games off the schedule is a win. Correct. Um, so uh, even, even if you end up with the same, same lead. Um, so between the, the two games, uh, there was a shutout each way. And when the Giants offense looks bad, it looks very, very bad. Um, that's something that has not been cured, but you know, what is up with not being able to catch fly balls in the outfield? This has become uh, just a major problem. Well, watching the game today, uh, you could tell for both teams, they were having trouble with the carry and the movement of the wind in the outfield, especially right field. A lot of happy feet out there. We saw Chris Bryant uh, not be able to get a glove on or barely get a glove on a ball. That was in between routine and uncatchable somewhere in that gray area where he probably should have caught at least one of those balls. And we can talk about his defense at large if you'd like, but uh, it it was a cross for both teams today, especially uh, watching the ball move around out there. And even one of the home runs that went out today, 
didn't look like a home run, but just got some get up and go from the wind and was yeah. out of the park. Um, and, and we will talk about that defense in a second, but I was just also thinking about the Cubs series. It felt like there were several games where Yastrzemski or uh, Duggar or Slater, or, you know, would just, just good fielders completely good miss a fly ball because the wind took it at the last second or, you know, and, and like, I mean, yes, these are good outfielders. And so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, obviously that um, something happened. This was a very, very difficult ball to catch, but it just, there's, it feels like there's been a lot of it recently. Yeah. Uh, it, and also just, it's the weather changing. It's fall. Things happen. Things change. Yeah. Um, and then, so just speaking of Chris Bryant, um, again, Andrew, our friend Andrew Baggerly had a tweet today, that, which to the, the effect of it was, you know, people talk about position versatility, but um, how much does that really matter when he, he's not playing any of those positions all that well? So you're referring to Chris Bryant again? Uh, which I imagine was a dig at Chris Bryant. Um, and so, I mean, that Chris Bryant has played a lot of different positions so far. He's played all three outfield positions. He's played a lot of third, obviously. And uh, we've seen some games where he um, kind of got the yips on throws to first. Um, that hasn't been a huge problem, but it has happened a few times. And then there have just been a few games with plays like the one you were describing where um, he didn't really get to the ball in the outfield that maybe you thought that he was going to. Um, what, what are your feelings? First of all, if we've learned anything from Ted Lasso, it's that we do not talk about the Y word. Or the, the, the Scottish play. Yes, uh, all of those things. Um, I mean, I was at a game against the Mets that we nearly lost. Here, because Chris Steve, how ahead. about Steve Blast disease? Okay, that works. All right. It works for me. I mean, I was saying I was at the Mets game where he very nearly cost the Giants the game with an errant throw. And then a few days later, made another errant throw and on plays where he wasn't rushed, on plays where he took a, a full step and got to load and throw to first base. So on days Evan Longoria is out there, you don't worry so much about the defense at third base. When Bryant's out there, you do. When you have Yaz and Duggar, uh, and uh, Lamont Wade Jr. out in the outfield, you don't worry so much about the defense. When Chris Bryant's out there, you do. I texted you the other day because it was the first time I'd seen Bryant in center field, and I was like, wait, holy what? This guy's where? And it's so, time for experimentation. <laughs> so um, I, I think I responded to you that, yeah, he does do that. Um, I'm actually looking at it now. So he played a total of 25 innings, innings in center field, between 2015 and 2017 and not since then. And then in 2021, he's played 108 and a third innings in center. So that was, it's definitely not something that he's done his whole career. Um, he, when he has played in the outfield, it's been pretty equally split between left and right, uh, more, more right than left, but pretty similar. Um, we, are, we are a little spoiled because I saw in the stands last night, uh, Andrew Towers, uh, known uh, as his birth name, Andres Torres, uh, Andres Torres. show business. Um, we got spoiled by guys like him roaming out there, covering so much territory uh, and just playing awesome center field that it's really disappointing to see a guy with a little bit more limited range and playmaking ability out there um, like Chris Bryant. I don't think that's something we're going to see in the playoffs. No, you're probably right. Um, I mean, I do can think I, that. Can I re, can I, can I reiterate a, uh, a Kruko story real quick? 
in case anyone didn't hear the broadcast the other sure. day, they were talking about on they're talking about Andres Torres and uh, Pat Burrell made a comment that uh, you know, hey Andres, anything that goes to my right, I got it. Don't worry about it. But uh, everything else, it's all you, buddy, because uh, Torres covered so much ground out there in center that Burrell wouldn't even have to move left on most plays, hit into left center. It's the first time I've we've never... heard of Burrell not chasing something. <laughs> well, no, because he wants to go right towards the towards the stands. That's pretty oh. cool. <laughs> um, just looking at the numbers, um, Bryant has in his career been uh, been at times uh, um, in a. I don't know. His numbers are weird. And I'm looking at primarily UZR divided by or per 500 or per 150, um, which is a, a range tool. And he's had some years where he was pretty positive and somewhere he was pretty negative. Um, he's single digits in the negative this year, which is, I think, just a below average, but not his not catastrophically bad range outfielder. Um so, uh, you know, I, but I do think that this coaching staff prioritizes platoon advantage more than slightly more range in the outfield. Um, and if so, so if there's a situation where um, playing Bryant in the outfield would result in them getting the right handedness person in the lineup, I think we'll still do it in the playoffs. But um, I think that they know that, you know, that especially later in the, in the later innings, if we have guys like Slater, coming off the bench who can go spell him in the, uh, in the outfield, that that would be a much better defensive construct. I just get nervous in playoff games when there's, you know, built in tension and closeness between the skill level of the two teams. I get nervous seeing things like Chris Bryant in center, Wilmer Flores at first, uh, Donovan Solano on the diamond, you know, all of these things make me incredibly nervous. And the Giants have been blessed in all of their title runs with spectacular defense. And I have here in the notes that at some point we have to acknowledge probably for the 148th time on this show, how amazing Brandon Crawford has been on defense. Um, oh my God. This weekend, yes. this weekend, it was, it was routine. Anything that was six steps to his right, he went and got and made an excellent throw and the Braves players, whether they were fast, slow or medium, were just out, out, and out, and they were all astonished that they were out. Yeah, uh, there was one, even one point where Austin Riley literally tipped his cap to Brandon Crawford because of what a ridiculous play he made. Um, what's interesting about Brandon Crawford is he, he's one situation where the eye test is off the charts. The numbers don't really bear it out. Are we just saying the numbers are wrong? I, how do they even do these numbers with all the shifting these days? See, I, that's that, what I have no idea about. See, I, um, I find them, I, I don't look at them, so I can't tell you they're unreliable. I find them in theory unreliable. I just yes. don't look at defensive metrics, period. I feel like the defensive metrics are useful for people who don't have time to watch all of that person's performances all the time. But hey, I've got the time. This is the only <laughs> team that I watch. I watch every single Brandon Crawford play that occurs. And yes. I leave every game very pleased. I don't feel like there's a lot of balls that end up out of his reach that I think another shortstop would have got, even though I know at age 34 that there are some shortstops in their 20s who might have gotten to that ball. I don't feel like that number is very significant. And I feel like the base runners he erases with his deft hands, great double play, turning ability, and strong arm balances all of that out, and even more so onto the plus side. Do you think that there's a legitimate argument for Brandon Crawford to get MVP votes? No, 
I think he's a, a top 10 player in the National League this season. I don't even think he really peaks his way into the top four or five. So, yeah. Um, last episode, we kept him out of the Hall of Fame. This episode, <laughs> we have to keep him out of the MVP discussion. This time, we're not tagging uh, him on Twitter. Yeah. Next time, we're going to put him in the doghouse. He's not even going to be able to, his keys aren't going to fit in his door. So, uh, sorry, Brandon. We love yeah. you. We're just setting expectations for the fan base. So just just to, again, put some numbers behind that, looking at Fangraph's fielding ranked by defensive, uh, I'm guessing this is runs above replacement. Um, they it's have... No, it's just called defense. Uh, <laughs> but no. <laughs> they have Crawford 10th among uh, major league shortstops. Okay, that's, uh, that's above average. Um, ahead of him... Trevor Story, among others, Trevor Story, Miguel Rojas uh, of the of the Marlins, Kevin Newman, and uh, Willie Adamas, who's only been in the National League for part of the season. Um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, Based on those names, I'm ready to vault him into the top five. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there's a player on the Royals named Nicky Lopez? I forgot there's a Royals. The only time I remember there's a Royals is when I see Eric Hosmer on the Padres. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Royals. Oh, yeah. Remember what they he did, did to get paid so well? They did exist. What was the guy on the Royals? Um, uh, super scrappy kind of utility middle infielder guy. With the oh, yeah. I'll see this Escobar. No, 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 no. White guy. Super white guy. Like, uh, oh, man. What was his name? There was a guy on the Royals. Uh, Maryfield, Whit Maryfield. Oh, Whit Maryfield. He's really good. Is he? He is really amazing. Good. The American League is incredible, dude. There's a treasure <laughs> trove of information for me to find out there that I'm just not willing to look for. Yeah, he's a second baseman. He's uh, okay. 32. He's he's on. He's got three and a half wins over placement this season. Good for you, Whit. Yeah. Or in the fantasy sphere, they refer to him as W Hit. That's really dumb, and I'm glad yeah. I don't play fantasy anymore. <laughs> is he merry um, in the field very often? Uh, he does play outfield occasionally. Can we find out his middle name so we can turn that into something stupid as well? Um, I'm trying to find that. It, it's, it doesn't say here. Well, Whit, Whitley. Whitley Ooh. David Merrifield. Whitley. All right. I'm in. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Brandon Crawford's great. Uh, and um, I'm very glad he's going to be around for a while. And I'm glad that he hasn't like faded in the second half. I mean, we have seen less power, but it seems like he's, I think that's mostly because they're pitching to him differently and he's taking advantage of that and hitting for much higher batting average than he was before. So while at one point it looked like he might have a 35 homer season, um, now he's probably going to end up with a three, you know, 300, uh, 850 OPS, but only 22 home run homer season you know what i'll take it yeah no absolutely brandon crawford is going to go down after the season as we talked about as the best player the most valuable player on the giants um you know posey's putting up great numbers but doesn't play as much uh bring brings an equal uh, amount of defensive intensity with the runs he saves pitch framing and uh, calling the game behind the plate, but it, it's going to be Crawford at the end of the day who highlights uh, are going to show was the best player on this team. And I mean, and I should say that baseball reference has Crawford as a 5.4 war player and they have him actually much higher defensively. 
I mean, and, and anything over five war is, is excellent, excellent season. So Danny um, needs these numbers because he refuses to watch the games. So uh, I watch to... a lot of games, but let's talk about Friday's game. Yeah, let's, let's do it. it. Let's do it. I'm going to take you through this game. So picture me on the couch reading the New Yorker because sometimes I can't handle the drama. So I'll, I'll put on my glasses. I'll uh, chew on the stub of a pencil and I'll do the crossword puzzle while the game is going on. And this one in particular, I had to try not to pay attention because Tyler Rogers came in with a two run lead in the ninth inning. And then all of a sudden there was a one run deficit because he'd given up a three run homer to one of the Darno's uh, Travis, Travis, I believe. Yes. Travis Darno. The other one's Chase, Chase Darno right? is uh, in the majors anymore. Okay. Well, I just have to make sure, you know, some things you former you, giant you chase there now, by the way. Yes. Uh, uh, some things you do know and some things you darn know. Um, <laughs> so Tyler Rogers gives up the lead and I think, and at this point I'm, I'm back in the crossword puzzle. Cause I don't even want to know how the rest of this game plays out, but the giants get down to their last strike. Donovan Solano is up and then he just absolutely cranks a ball into the tunnel to tie up the game. And at this point I'm trying not to get my blood pressure too high. Trying to have a nice thing. I don't want to take another Lipitor. So we go to extra innings and the Giants clean inning, Braves clean inning, Giants clean inning. Then the Giants do something incredible, even more incredible than the Donovan Solano home run. They send Kevin Gaussman to the plate with the bases loaded and one out. And Danny, do you want to tell them what Kevin Gaussman did? Well, so, so Camila Duvall had pitched the previous inning and it was his spot coming up. The Giants had, I believe, nobody left on the bench. Um, Kevin Gossman pulled a ball to right field in the air for the first time, uh, I believe. In his life. In his entire career. No, just say life. In his life. Little <laughs> League Kevin Gossman never did that. High school Kevin Gossman never did that. The, uh, uh, the broadcast today or yesterday showed a graphic of all the balls Kevin Gossman has hit in San Francisco. And he has never once before last night or before Friday night pulled the ball in the air to right field. He, he's, so, an, he's an oppo taco guy. So um, he does that. So he Brandon does that. Uh, the fly ball is not very deep, but Crawford went for it. And I guess they knew that the right fielder's arm wasn't very good. Um, and Crawford slides in game over. Um, what the hell? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. When it, I would say if and when, but when we finish one game on LA at the end of the season, this is the game. I, I probably said this 20 times throughout the season, but this is the game we'll remember. Uh, maybe one of the Dodgers series uh, back in July, but this is the game we'll remember as being the difference if it ends up being a one game deficit. I think the um, game I'm going to remember is the Darren Ruff check swing game. Um, first Giants walk off from a pitcher since. Um, I feel like it hasn't been that long. A game I attended uh, in 2018, Madison Bumgarner hit a walk-off line drive in a pinch hit appearance. I believe that's the last time a Giants pitcher has walked it off for the Giants. Okay. So three years ago, that's not, and two and a half years, if you consider 2020 as a short season, um, yeah, I mean, quite a game. And uh, Donnie Barrels, is, you know, in his first game back from the IL, with two outs and two strikes, he hit it. Uh, just amazing. And um, so one of the things that we've also seen, which has been one of the most fun things on the internet, Captain Belt 
Can I just say, oh, Captain, my Captain? I love the Captain Belt thing. Do you know anything about the poem, oh, Captain, my Captain? Not even a little bit, except that it's in that movie. Do you know who wrote, oh, Captain, my Captain? Is it? Um, uh, um, it's not Whitmer, weather. I'll tell you that. Oh, then no. <laughs> it's close. It's Walt Whitman. Wait, you just said it's not Whitman. I said it's not Whit Merriweather. <laughs> oh, I thought you said it. I see I misheard you. And I was going to say Walt Whitman. And then you. I thought you said it wasn't Whitman. All right. All right. Here, you get the follow-up question. Who did Walt Whitman write that poem about? I'm guessing not Brandon Belts or Kevin Klein. Uh, a similarly uh, bearded man to uh, Brandon Crawford. Um, I'm, I don't know. George Washington. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You're, you're on the right track. So, okay, so Captain Belt, we, other shows have gone over this by now because it happened a while ago, but the electrical tape C that somebody jokingly put on Belt's uniform, he left uh, Longoria, on the game. Longoria put it on. Longoria. Left on during the game and just has crushed Giants Internet because we love, but Giants Internet loves Belt 10 times as much as the rest of the Giants fandom. We've talked about this. The Belt Wars rage on. We won them. We lost them. We won them. Uh, but you ask Brandon Belt why he thinks he's the captain. And he says, well, you know, one day I asked to be the first guy off the plane and nobody said anything. So I did it because I'm the captain. And he's just got one of us confidence. has to be the alpha. Yeah. One of us has to be the alpha. And he's just, he's really letting down his uh, guard uh, media wise in a way he hasn't his entire Giants tenure. I don't know if that's because he knows his Giants tenure is ending, if his Giants tenure is ending, or uh, if it's just been that kind of a season where everybody has kind of a, uh, is poisoned with happiness on uh, because they win two out of every three days. Um, but it's really nice to see. And Belt's had an awesome season, marred by injuries. Uh, and anything that makes him happy makes me happy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, also, in addition to Giants Twitter crushing this, Brandon Belt has just crushed the ball. Um, in the month of September, not including today, Belt bat has batted 306, 411, 661. So that's a 1072. Mm. OPS with six homers um, and four doubles. Uh, it's just like, I mean, he's been playing great. He's been one of the best Giants hitters, uh, one of the best, one of the best Giants players, and probably argue, arguably the best Giants hitter on the team um, when he's been healthy, particularly in this most recent return from the IL. And yeah, uh, it was a little disappointing yeah. not to see him in the lineup today. I know they were playing a severe righty balanced lineup, but I, I, th- I think Bell should have been out there still, but we don't have to get into the minutia of Kapler's managing at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at kind of guys around the uh, guys are, uh, around the team who have been having really good years. And, and uh, I mean, belts offensive numbers are, I think he has the best OPS on the team. So uh, he's, he's been a big leader offensively. Um, even and he though it's an enormous amount of, of balls season. that should go out and don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's all while playing in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, Danny, even he's got a higher OPS than Posey than Crawford, all those guys. Danny, um, do you want to throw a bullpen game? Me and you, do you want to start a game? Yeah, let's do it. How about we throw some back to back bullpen? How about we stop doing that? So and the Giants, God, the Giants Alex for a Wood while have been doing uh, this this uh little dance here where it's gosman webb disclafani pray for rain pray for rain rain again again. (laughs) (laughs) because alex wood and johnny cueto have been i mean have been hurt sammy long who was kind of seen as a long relief option has um 
turned out to not be a reliable option. And they just don't really have anyone else. Turns out they need to draft a guy named Sammy Starter. Bless you. Thank you. I was I, I muted so nobody would hear me sneeze so we could just go past that. But then you but said I, it anyway. I just, I just politely said it. There's nothing you can do to stop me. It's, it's a trigger reaction. Um, but you're right. Alex Wood is back. Wood pitched three perfect innings the other night. Was mad when he got taken out of the game. So uh, let's talk see. about this. So you Alex ahead. Wood uh, got COVID, and it was apparently a pretty bad case of it. And he and his wife, his wife also got sick. Um, as far as we know, they're they're fine, thankfully. Um, he was also uh, unwilling to discuss whether he was vaccinated. So he's um, not vaccinated, which leads people to believe that he's not vaccinated. And apparently, he was asked several times on several occasions and got upset and told people to leave him alone <laughs> because so it's none vaccinated. of their business. So he's not vaccinated. Also, um, no I did see people on Twitter who I didn't recognize and gave no basis for their statement saying that they believe he is because of some connection they have. Um, and it's not, they're not sure why he's saying he's not, but um, obviously all these things have led to people assuming that he's not vaccinated. Um, and uh, something that again, Andrew Baggerly was getting a lot of airtime tonight. Uh, he wrote a piece talking about how Alex Wood's contract this season is um, has a pretty low guaranteed salary with several uh incentive escalators that he can he can hit and several of those are based on how many starts he makes where he gets at least 10 outs um 10 outs meaning that he went at least once through he went more than once through the lineup and in his most recent start off the il how many outs did he get thomas he got nine he got nine and then Kaplan pulled him. I was worried you were going to tell us what 10 outs was, and I didn't know how you were going to explain it in a way that didn't insult our intelligence. And how'd I do? You did great. All right. I was worried for a second, but you did great. <laughs> and outs, you know, it means, it means that he uh, faced at least 10 hitters. It's great. And they got out. And they got it's out, great. yeah. <laughs> 10 outs, it's funny. Um, so... This is kind I'll, of going to be. You, I'll ask you the question. Let me ask you the question. Okay. Do you think they were manipulating the incentives in the contract? No, I don't. I think that he had a pitch count. He's coming off an injury or, I mean, an, an illness, an IL stint, let's say. Um, and uh, I, I don't think Kapler would have done that. Um, and I think that it made sense for what they were doing. And that's, I think that was the decision they made. I think it's also well worth pointing out that uh, Alex Wood's times through the order splits are bananas um, more than anyone else on the team. I was looking at this a month or so ago. Um, and so a lot of people already know this, but um, there's this uh, conventional wisdom that pitchers do significantly more poorly the third time through the order that uh, the third time about to see a pitcher, they're going to have a much more bigger advantage. Um the Giants, uh, and you can find those splits on Baseball Reference, and um, the Giants as a team uh, didn't suffer from that quite as badly as the rest of the league. But um, looking at uh, Alex Wood, um, dear God, dear, dear God, not um, great. Can you promise me never to mention banana splits on a podcast ever again? Because <laughs> I'm watching my sugar intake. Dude. All right, that was pretty good. Um, yeah. So just talking about times through the order, I mean, I think this is something that we're going to be 
uh, we're going to be thinking about in uh, in the playoffs and how we want to use Alex Wood. And that might not be as a starting pitcher or not, might not be as somebody who's going to go through the order all that many times. So again, just put numbers behind this. Uh, the Giants as a team, first time facing a batter, that batter has an average OPS of 610, which is pretty bad. Uh, second time through the order, uh, facing the same pitcher is an average OPS of 675. And third time through the order, average OPS 746. So obviously there is a jump for the uh, third time through, but still a, a 746 OPS is not all that good. Um, Alex Wood times through the order. The first time he faces a batter in a game, they have an average OPS of 428, which is very good for him, very bad for the batter. The second time through the order, the uh, hitters have an average OPS of 827, which is a good hitter. We want more people on our team who can hit with an 827 OPS. And then third time through the order, facing Alex Wood, hitters have an average 949 OPS. Wow. They're basically Shohei Otani after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an average batting average of 308 uh, on base 388, uh, slugging 561. He's given up six homers, which I know it doesn't sound like a big number, but in not very many plate appearances. Here's how I envision the Alex Wood of the 2021 Major League Baseball playoffs. I see him a lot like how we used Tim Hudson in 2014, where you're willing to start him. No, you're willing to start him. But when he goes out there and he has his stuff, you leave him in. And if he doesn't, he gets the quick hook. You know, there's no reason that they can't employ, deploy him that way because it's pretty obvious the way the rotation is set up now and the way the Giants are pitching that you have an easy decision to go to a three-man rotation with Gossman, Logan Webb, and Di Sclafani. And depending on how the series shake out and how the scheduling works, you can easily throw uh, Alex Wood or Johnny Cueto out uh, as a fourth start. But both of those guys are going to have a much faster hook than the other three pitchers who I mentioned who have been much more consistent. So that's kind of how I see uh, Kapler deploying those two yeah. guys, whichever one is, whichever one is healthiest at the time. And we'll talk about Cueto's health maybe in a little bit, but if the playoffs started right now, I'd be willing to start Alex Wood in the game, but with a very quick trip. Here's the thing. Alex Wood has made 24 starts in this season. Guess how many of those were at least six innings? Uh, four. Okay. This is not having the same effect. I was hoping 10. <laughs> Okay, 10. But what that means is that 14 of his starts were five and a third run uh, innings or less. Mm -hmm. And um, several of them were less. Uh, he had a, a well, oh, okay, this is the game he just had. So not including, not including um, yesterday's game. Um, he had a three inning start in which he gave up four earned runs. He had a 3.2 inning start where he gave up seven runs. A four-inning start where he gave up four runs, a five-inning start with two, five innings with four runs, three runs, two, two. I mean, he's had a lot, a lot of five innings or fewer games where he put the Giants in a hole. And okay. I think that okay. if we can, I, I think that if the Giants have everybody healthy going into the playoffs, then we are not going to see Alex Wood face a batter more than once. It's the NLCS. The Giants are tied 2-2 heading into game five. You've just gone through the, the three guys in the three previous games that we talked about as, as surefire starters. 
do you throw the first guy, Logan Webb or Gossman, on short rest? Do you throw, let's assume Cueto's on it, do you throw Alex Wood out there or do you start uh, Dominic Leon or Sergio Leon, whichever of the Leons is going to start this time? So there will probably be at least a rest, one rest day in those first three games. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about starting someone on one game shorter rest than normal. Correct. Um, I think that I would either start Wood for three innings and then pull him. And by three innings, well, so nine, nine hitters, um, and then pull him and then either put in my game one starter or do a bullpen game after that. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Or do, uh, you know, put in Logan Webb for five innings and then put in Alex Wood for three innings and then, you know, close it. I'm so glad you're not this team's manager. What would you do? Same question. Same question. What would you do? I would start Alex Wood, but I would have a very quick hook. As soon yeah, as it I looks like my... he doesn't, as soon as it looks like he doesn't have it, I, I'm not probably pitching a guy on short rest, but I'm I'm going to the bullpen. See, I think, yeah, I, I think just anecdotally looking at these games, there have been a lot of games where it looked like Wood was extremely sharp, and then everything fell apart in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And I want to pull him before that happens. And I think that the data is very clear that that happens starting at hitter number 10. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And um, we can, we can close out that part of the conversation and kind of transition into this because I wanted to talk about this as well. Um, Jake McGee is out with an oblique injury. So the giants have lost their, not necessarily in name, but definitely in practice closer. Um, They're hopeful he's going to return by the end of the season but this is the situation you and I have talked about before where everybody has to move up a spot or move over a spot. Where are you right now with the bullpen? Where do you rank guys in your con- you're in a confidence pool. You told me in, in football, uh, a pick em pool confidence wise. So that's confidence wise rank the bullpen for you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think that I would put Tyler Rogers, number one, Correct. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's subjective, but this one is not, that's yes. Correct. Um, probably Dominic Leone as number two. Um, and then, uh, and then that's the end of a tier. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, the following tier is a three headed monster of, uh, Harlan, the Marlin, Jose Alvarez and, and Zach Littell. Um, okay, I, how, and how then, do you rank those three? Um, Probably Alvarez the highest, um, uh, Gar- then Garcia, then Littell. Okay. Uh, no love for Tony Watson. Then another tier. <laughs> and in the third tier, I think we're looking at Watson, uh, Jackson, Doval, uh, Quintana, although he's not really – he's kind of the long relief guy, so I don't think he's going to see any late-inning games. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, Curvin Castro, who I haven't actually watched at all, but has done fine. I was, I think I was napping during the top of the ninth today. I mean, I wonder what kind of pitches he throws because that first name is just off the chains for being a pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) I I hadn't even put that together, but that's pretty good. Trouble with the Curvin. Oh, that's that's our episode (laughs) title. Uh, and it's on your dating profile. Um, Camilo Doval has just mesmerizing stuff that I am completely terrified <laughs> of every time he is on the mound. Cause the ball's going to the backstop 
or it's dropping six inches down into the right and the guy swinging over it. I, I just, there's nothing in between. Yeah. He's, uh, um, he's extremely talented and, uh, he's one of those guys that you can see, you know, once he puts this together, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's worth pointing out that since he came back to the majors on September 5th, or I guess that was the first day he pitched. I'm not exactly sure when he came to the majors. Um, he has not given up a run. He's uh, given up two hits and three walks in six and a third innings with eight strikeouts, which is excellent uh, with no runs. Um, so it's he's like looked... getting on a, it's, it's like getting on a lightly trained horse. You know you're going <laughs> somewhere, but you kind of just want to have to go for a ride. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, he's looked night and day better. And um, I believe we talked about in our last pod that he – was uh, the victim of some really poor umpiring and still stuck it out and pitched really well. So um, it seems that he's, you know, he's got good mental toughness too, but just looking, I mean, his, his year long numbers right now are pretty lousy. He's got a 426 ERA, but it's worth pointing out that when he got sent down previously, he had a 639 ERA and he's been working, he's been working off that debt. Yeah. So I, I don't really differ. Uh, have a different list from you. I just wanted to kind of get where you're at with the bullpen and without. Me- but who are your who are your top two or top three? It it I have that same tier with you with Rogers and Leon, and then I'd probably have the most confidence after in in Latell, and then uh, after that probably have to go with Alvarez and then Harlan Garcia. I don't know. Harlan Garcia makes me nervous. Makes me very nervous. That's where that's the kind of that's the tier where I start to get a little nervous. Yeah, um, I mean those guys all have ERAs in the twos, but FIPS in the low to high threes. So yeah, I, I might put Watson above above uh, Harlan as well. Yeah, Watson's a guy where he's got a three something ERA, but a two a low two FIP. So yeah, you know, so that, I might put he's I the might guy put who's him uh, in that tier. yeah. I mean his his results have not as been as good as, you know, they should have been given his peripherals. Sneaky um, bullpen candidate, sneaky bullpen candidate for the playoffs, Johnny Cueto. Do you think so? Yeah. Why not? I mean, I He's think a change of pace. Said, every time he, t- every time he takes the mound, something different happens. That's, that's <laughs> than, true. Then the guy who pitched the day before, or who's good today after something different is about to occur. I mean, I think that, you know, that, Alex Wood is my bullpen pick because of everything we just talked about, about times for the order. Um, do you think that we go with a three-man rotation in the playoffs or do we have a fourth starter? I think there's a fourth starter. And you think it's Cueto or you think it's Wood? I think it depends on Cueto's health. I mean, looking at the update I got today, uh, Cueto's thrown from 120 feet now. He's pitching a bullpen Monday, tomorrow morning. Uh, by the time you hear this, it'll probably have already happened. Uh, and if that goes well, he'll he'll do a, a rehab stint in Sacramento. But it's all going to depend on how that goes. I mean, I'm happy to have Cueto as a bullet in the in the chamber over Wood, uh, based on his experience and how great he's been in the playoffs previously. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about Cueto. I mean, Cueto has not had a terrific season. Um, he looked extremely dominant to start the season, and then pretty much got hurt and hasn't looked the same since. You know, he's had high threes, low fours ERA, which in this day and age is very valuable, but it's not it's not ace-like like he has been previously in his career. He's a big game pitcher, though, Danny. That's what he is. But what are you basing that on? The big 
games that I've seen him pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is worth pointing out. Uh, Johnny Cueto has never pitched out of the bullpen in his major league career, but it's the same, it's the same mound. No time like the present, my friend. Yeah. I don't think we see that, but you know, I think it's more likely we see him pinch hit than pitch out of the bullpen. Oh man. Has his helmet ever stayed on during an <laughs> at-bat? No, but I think, I think it's part of his style. Should we get him a chin strap? Like, should he be <laughs> like required to have some kind of modified equipment? Because the helmet's it's there for a reason, Johnny. It's there to I, mean, help I think, you. I think Max Fried swung so hard. He, uh, Threw off his helmet today. Well, that guy can hit. Yeah, doesn't he have an over three hundred at, at betting average? Oh yeah, if he qualified, he'd win the batting title. Yeah, he just needs more plate appearances. He keeps asking uh, coach, but uh, it's not coming through. So, um, just looking ahead, the Giants are playing uh, three games at San Diego. That's where I live, and I will be going to at least the game on Wednesday. I'm going to try to see if I can also go on Thursday. Well, yeah, because um, you can't watch them on TV. Well, yes, that's also a problem. Yeah, you, you have to go. Yeah, still cheaper and than cable. The blackout's gonna work on me. <laughs> it's still cheaper than cable to go to the game. <laughs> um, three games at Colorado, then three games at home against the D-backs, and three games at home against the Padres. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers are playing also the Rockies and the D-backs, uh, and the Padres, and then a game against the Brewers. So that's exactly the same, except. They get Brewers, we get Padres, which is both teams who probably won't ad- be playing for anything by the time they get there. Advantage Giants. <laughs> um, yeah, although the Brewers have clinched. So, like you said, they may not be playing that hard. Um, what's wrong with the Padres, man? Did you see the thing about, did you see the thing with Tatis and Machado? So, they had a dugout kerfuffle, I guess. Not quite a Donnie Brook, somewhere between a fracas and a kerfuffle. And I don't really know what was happening. Were you able to, to Zapruder footage, any of that, I was, figure yes. out what they were saying? So I, I don't have any insight. So apparently what happened was shortly before that, Tatis had been called out on a strike three. That was uh, not something he agreed with. He started yelling at the ump, and then um, the Padres manager, Chase Tingler, is that right? J- Jace, Jace Tingler? Jace? Chase with a J. I know. I know a lot. I know a lot of Jaces personally. So I think Jace Jace Tingler, which is a name that I don't believe exists. Um, he went out and restrained Tatis, and Tingler ended up getting ejected. And so, um, basically, Tatis wanted to keep arguing with the ump, and his fellow players dragged him into the dugout. And then Machado, who is also, you know, the, the only player on the team who has more superstar status or at least equal superstar status to Tatis, um, let him ha- let him have it and basically yelled at him and said, it's not about you. It's not about you. Don't don't get yourself ejected. Just play the game. You know, we, we need you. Um, but, do you know, I do and run ground balls to first base, says Manny Machado to Fernando Tatis Jr. So you don't like Manny Machado, do you? I'm fine with him. I love the fact that he's played on all of our rival teams and doesn't run out ground balls. That's my favorite thing. Manny Machado is an excellent player. But comes out and says things like, I don't see the need to hustle on every single play. Which, is he wrong, though? No, he's completely wrong. (laughs) I've never seen you hustle on a play. Let's just be clear about that. 
that's ridiculous. Every time I drive to the basket, you foul me very hard <laughs> because I'm working my butt off to get around your giant body that you throw at me. Oh God. It's like running into the moon. <laughs> um, anyway, so, awesome. uh, um, so that's what the uh, that's what the kerfuffle was about. Okay. I'm hoping for an all-out Donnybrook by the end of the season. Uh, apparently, maybe, nicknames maybe, on maybe, Baseball maybe. Reference for Machado are Hakuna Machado, the it's baby-faced no assassin, and El Ministro de Defensa, or Mister Miami. <laughs> that says a lot for potential hangovers as well. I'm so, what Mister Miami oh. South Beach. It's a party t- party city, party town. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's from Florida. He's never played in Miami. Okay, but if you earn a nickname, Mister Miami, I bet you did at a at a South Beach like nightclub. Yeah, um, yeah, just like how Mister Worldwide got his nickname. Anyway, <laughs> we're John. <laughs> he's Thomas Todd. Oh no, let's do predictions. Uh, so that's twelve games. We're Is your prediction at. that I that I'm Thomas Todd? Um, I'm going to predict first and I'm going to say that the giants are going to win nine. I mean, they're going to go nine and three. I think they're going to sweep the Padres, uh, take two out of three against the Rockies take, I don't know. They're going to have a stinker at some point. Okay. Maybe two out of three and two out of three sweep, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Is it enough to win the division? I don't know. Maybe they'll end up down two games after that. (laughs) I mean, we talked about it on the show. Dwayne Kuyper said the Dodgers are never going to lose again. They lost a couple times since then, but it's felt like they never lose. Uh, I'm going to take the Giants at uh, seven and five, and that they finish in second place. I just like the that commercial with the athlete who whose body completely fails and gives out right before the finish line, where they just absolutely run out of gas and collapse into a heap. That's kind of how I see this end of season going. Oh, okay. So you're optimistic. Well, as always. Um, so ready. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, he's Thomas Todd. I'm Danny Zarchi. Uh, don't follow us on social media. You'll, 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 you'll regret it if you do. Why am I guy number one, by the way? Because you're the first one I brought up. Wow. I Go mean, Giants. we have a glove and we have a Coke bottle. We needed two guys. Oh, I get it. I didn't yeah. understand the reference. Yeah, it's you know it's from it's from uh, the pizza shop show. I worked in the pizza shop. All right, he's Thomas Thought. I'm Danny Zarchi. Go Giants. <laughs>